Turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 33.3, and we're going to open up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this beautiful November Sunday. Thank you that we can open up your word and find a truth that each of our hearts needs. And Father, I pray now that you would speak to us through your word. <clears throat> May we be quick to apply the truth. Father, save us from our own natural cover-up, our own natural excuses. And Father, may the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us just pinpoint exactly what we need to put into application today. I praise your name for the praises we just talked about. I thank you, Lord, for the improvement <clears throat> that Clinton has had for the first time. And Lord, I pray for your continued healing and these many physical needs. But Lord, how I pray for spiritual revival in our hearts, in our classroom, in our church. Father, that we might be to the praise of your glory. In thy precious name, amen. <clears throat> okay, make sure that card gets around for Lori so I can get that sent out. <clears throat> and then uh, with that, drum roll, we are in a new month. We are in the month of November. Now, I often would pull a correlation between how that word is spelt with burr, you know, November, December. But we're not going to do that this morning, we're going to go to a different way. Now, Clint is excited because one of his jobs is to turn all the calendar pages. We have a number of calendars in our home, and his job is to turn the calendar page every month. He waits for that. He anticipates that. When the dates are totally out of my head, Clint is going, uh, <clears throat> tomorrow, Mom, tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm going, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. You know calendar oh yes you have to turn so when he turns the page to november i tell you what he is one excited little guy because november isn't just thanksgiving november is his birthday and this is like the biggest thing in clint's life is his birthday but to many of us november <clears throat> november means a lot of extra busyness already pushed into our very over-scheduled, over-demanding days. That's what November represents. And, and sad to say, for many, November becomes the embodiment of the first two letters of November. No! No! No, no! Well, this is, this is the truth of Sunday school this morning. Don't you believe it. Don't you believe that. God says... I've got something for you to know, and it's not spelt N-O. I've got something for you to K-N-O-W. I had you turn to Jeremiah 33.3. We all need this, this, this first Sunday of November. This is what you need to know. First of all, call unto me. Isn't that beautiful that God waits and wants for us to call unto him? And I will what, class? Answer thee. That's God's word. I'm going to answer. I'm going to call unto me, and I'm going to answer thee and show you what? How many need something great and mighty in their day-to-day? -day? <laughs> I need some great and mighty things. But now here comes the point that I want to make with this. Which thou, ready, last two words, knowest not. God's saying, child, there's something I want you to know in November, and you don't know it right now. But I can't wait to instruct you. I can't wait for you to open up your heart and receive it <clears throat> as my truth for what you don't know in November. So the first thing that we have to understand is that 
my soul, my heart, the inner Kathy, the real me, the real, the real Trina, the real Leslie, the real Tammy, we need to hunger and thirst for what God wants us to know. When you open your Bible in the morning or whenever you have your daily Bible time, one of the first things I pray as I open up God's word is I say, God, I need to love you more today than I did yesterday. Teach me how to do that. Because I get so easily satisfied or distracted or discouraged with lesser things. I need to know how to love you more today than I did yesterday. Teach me. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I claim it. I claim it all the time. Father, there's something I don't know. I'm not getting. I need to know it. Teach me. So as we open up God's word in Sunday school, I love our Sunday school time. I love the truth of God's word. You got, you, you've, got to, you've got to put the other things that are bombarding your head and your heart right now, and you need to just submit it and say, now, Father, teach me. I want to hunger after what you know and I don't. So teach me. Okay, so with that thought in mind, with our souls asking for God to teach us his truth, I want you to think about this. <clears throat> Doug makes his famous Chex Mix every November. He doesn't just make a recipe. He makes bins of it because the whole family loves his Chex Mix. We go broke. I can't imagine what it's going to cost this year. I mean, you know, I, I now know how to do digital coupons, and I've always done paper coupons, and I've always, you know, scanned for the deals and blah, 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 and it's still astronomically over the head. It's, it's unbelievable. <clears throat> Vote. All right. So with that, with that said, Doug makes Chex Mix, bins of it. He makes Caitlin her own special because GF, you know, we never put the wheat in, in uh, and then all the ingredients, but he makes bins of this fabulous Chex Mix and the aroma, the aroma of butter and roasting peanuts and pretzels and cashews and Chex Mix and the seasoning and the stirring, the stirring, <laughs> the stirring, and, and, and then, and then you've got to let it cool. You can't eat it when it's warm. You've got to let the Chex Mix cool. That's when all the seasoning permeates and hardens into the Chex, and it gets this crunchy explosion of flavor. So you know we're all looking for a little bacon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine will be the Aldi special that I'll pass out in Sunday school. So, take that over cookies one day. Oh. <laughs> cookies, how can you not? like? Okay, so anyways. Uh, so... I, I go by these bins that literally are the length of our, our cupboard, or our shelf there underneath our cupboards. Bin, bin, bin. And I go, oh. okay, I'm going to go to my cupboard and I'm going to get my littlest bowl because I have no control over myself. There's very few things that I have little control of. Red Hots, I have no control, and Chex Mix. So I get my littlest bowl, and I say, that way I can control my appetite. I ate that. I refilled that bowl eight times. Eight times I refilled that bowl. And I shouted out to Doug. I said, shame on you, Doug Jackson. I can't stay away from, uh, from this stuff. I am addicted. I am addicted to this stuff. And, and even as we tease and think about it, 
The sad truth is we get addicted to so many lesser things than what we should be addicted, yearning for, thirsting for, hungering for. Oh, God, may I hunger and thirst after righteousness like I hunger and thirst after Chex Mix? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, and, and, we, and we lift it up. And, and sometimes we justify, well, I'm not addicted to bad things. But I'm addicted to lesser things. Lesser than. How did Paul, how did Paul, decades after his conversion, say, I press, I push to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? How was he so enthralled with, his, with what he had in Christ, with who he was in Christ? How did he stay more in love with God every single day after his, his road to Damascus experience? How did he do that? Because that's what I need to know. I need to know because I want to love God more today than I did yesterday. I, wanna, I want to run the race and finish strong, totally in love with my God. Paul, what stimulated Paul's spiritual appetite? What did he stir into his faith that kept him tasting and seeing God's goodness? Well, I believe it's wrapped up in one word. Now, before I tell you that one word, let me tell you the opposite of that one word. Are you with me? I'm going to tell you what kept Paul fervently loving God more and more and more every day. It's one word. But before I tell you that one word, I'm going to tell you the opposite of that word because we're all going to relate to it. The opposite of the one word that I'm going to tell you in about 10 minutes is this. Familiarity. Familiarity. When we get familiar with things, people, we start to take them for granted. We get used to each other. We quit noticing. We keep making it better. We just make it through. We, um, <clears throat> we allow our heart, and it is a choice, we allow our heart to become lukewarm, apathetic to all that we have because it's so daily. It's so daily. What kept Paul from slipping into that very common, human, natural spiral down into apathy? What kept him going higher and higher? Familiarity. Um, God knew, because God knows the beginning to the end, he knew, he knew that we would sin in the Garden of Eden. He knew that we would reject him and choose, choose our own way. He also knew the familiarity and the deceitfulness of our hearts, that we would get used to him, that we would, what, is, uh, what does God's word say about the church and uh, their lukewarmness? He said, it appalls our holy God who loves us so much that we could become lukewarm and stay stuck there and never allow revival to happen in our hearts. He said, makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. So God instituted a plan to protect me from lukewarmness. Do you know what that plan is? You're going to love this. 
God made a plan at the beginning of earthly time just for his created workmanship to keep us, to remind us that we, we can't become lukewarm with things or people. This is the plan he made. He instituted two areas in our earthly life and said, these are the most important areas you need to pay attention to. Church was the first one. What was the other one? Marriage. Marriage. God instituted marriage ready for the hands-on purpose of understanding. First of all, what is marriage? Marriage is falling in love and living with the, the man you love with all of your heart for the rest of your earthly life. That is marriage. That is God's way for marriage. Falling in love, walking and working. Being with the man you love for the rest of it. What delight. What delight. What a great plan, God. What a great plan to put this into our life so that we, you know why? It's not just for my delight. It's a picture of what we're to find in Christ. Now, if you read Ephesians, um, Ephesians 5, it's all Paul's picturing of the parallels between marriage, our earthly marriages, and what we're to find in our marriage to God, okay? In our falling in love with God, in our living with God, in our walking with God, in our going through. So, so God says, I'm setting up this system because it's so hard for you to walk by faith. Here's, here's a hands-on imagery. Think of your husband. My husband, he's hands-on, okay? I can see him, flesh and blood. I know the sound of his voice. We know each other so very, very well. God says, that is a picture of what you're defined with me. In my word, in your walk with me, in your troubles with me, in your victories with me. So I've given you this, this example that you get to live this side of heaven so you get a taste of, of what it is to love me more tomorrow than you did today. I thought I was madly, totally in love with Doug June 19, 1971. <laughs> it was nothing compared to our love 2022. It's grown, it's strengthened, it's strong, it's fun. Sometimes it's hard, but the hard things, you go together, through them together, and you become stronger on the other side of it because of the hard things. So God gives us this uh, beautiful experience called marriage to give us daily delight as we walk with the one that we love. What could be more perfect? This side of heaven than living and being with the one you love with all your heart all the days of your life. So it's a great delight, God's plan. But it's also the greatest daily plan. It's 24-7 with that man. All right? <laughs> it's 20. What happens? What happens? We get used to marriage. We get used to each other. We get, we get luke, lukewarmness settles in as we stop creating because there's been too much chaos, too many crises, 
too many differences of opinion and we allow to just go through the motions. So you get the dailiness of marriage, then you add to it, ready? All the challenges and disappointments and unfulfilled expectations that come with living in a fallen world with a fallen husband and fallen children and fallen grandchildren and boy, oh boy, all of a sudden there is in this beautiful plan called marriage a falling away rather than a falling in love. Are you with me? You get it? You live it. You get it. Look around. Look around at marriages today or the lack of marriage. Look around at perversions today as a substitute. I was standing in line at Hobby Lobby. <clears throat> today is Sunday. This must have been like on Tuesday. Okay. So I have been blessedly homebound. I can't leave Clint in pain. I just can't. And, you know, my, my biggest run is to Aldi's and then back. And, uh, <clears throat> and Clint has, has turned a corner for the first time Friday in which we are seeing some positive progression. But he's in pain. He's in pain, and we're doing all the things we can find out to do and know to do. We are to the doctors every week. We are to the chiropractor every week. Um, and I tell you what, that little guy, okay, this is, this is so, we pray all the time about it. I do um, therapy before he gets out of bed. I yada, yada, yada. Okay, I've got all the machines. I've got everything. <laughs> and, and I'm just with him. And so in the morning, as we begin our day with, with Clint, my day's begun hours before his day begins. <laughs> so I, I go in there with a the coffee pot, good morning. And I tell him the day, it's Sunday. And I give him the date. And all of that establishes his routine, who he is, the time frame of his life, blah, blah, blah. And we've been doing it for decades. So then I, I, uh, I pray over him. And we pray together. Of course, we lift up Uncle Renee and uh, the prayer requests of the family. And then he's been in pain for weeks now. And I, uh, I pray for Clint's legs. We, we say amen. And Clint puts his hands around his leg and he goes, Be healed! <laughs> Be healed! Well... I join them. I have a Pentecostal heart. I believe that God heals. I believe that God answers prayer. And so together we say, be healed. Thank you, Lord. That's what we're going to get into. You have a plan for this. All right? Well, so anyways, I have not been out at all. And, and Doug called me up. again. He said, okay, come on. I'm going to run you to your favorite store. My favorite store is either Hobby Lobby or um, Home Goods. Okay. So I said, no, no, I, re I really don't want to go. He said, no, I want you to go. I want you to go. He said, Clint's going to be fine for an hour. It'll just be an hour. <clears throat> and so there were a couple things I wanted. I'll be lobbying. <laughs> All right. I knew exactly what I wanted, and I thought, I'm not going to get them because it's going to be a while before I get out. And um, so Doug picked me up. We ran to Hobby Lobby, and that man, that man dropped me off at the door because it was nasty out. He parked the car. He came in and he walked the aisles of Hobby Lobby with me. He's never done this before. <laughs> it was amazing. I kind of wanted to think on my own, but I didn't want to tell him that. <laughs> you all get it. See, you all get it. It's that marriage thing, you know. 
<clears throat> but they had the trees. We got them. And just, and now we're talking about, we're thinking about marriage, the 24-hour 7, the great plan that God had for us to live in love every day as a picture of what we're to find in him. I go to checkout number one. Now, did you know that checkout number one is also the checkout for returns? I did not know that. Okay. So <clears throat> even though I was next in line, <laughs> never go to checkout one. Okay. So um, Doug said, and it had, it had begun to rain. I, and so he said, Let me, I'll go get the car. You're next in line. So I'm standing there waiting. And then this woman in front of me starts taking her packages. Seven packages, and with every package, she's saying, he didn't like this, he didn't like this. And she said, he didn't like any of it. He would rather have his ex-wife's dusty curtains hanging on the windows than the room I was making for him. She said, I even painted a lampshade for him. He didn't like that either. Well, the girlfriend was done. She was done. And in sisterhood empathy, <laughs> that cashier, she said, well, here's your money back. It was like 150 some dollars, you know. She's peeling it back. And uh, she, said, she said to her, you know what I think you should do? What? I think you should go get your nails done. <laughs> and, and the upset girlfriend said, you're right. I'm not only going to get my nails done, I'm going to get a pedicure, too. I've got plenty of money. <laughs> yeah. And so the dailiness had settled in, hadn't it? Yeah. And, and it does. In all of our relationships, we get so used to each other, then the differences become all about our dailiness, not the delight. The delight is gone. Praise the Lord. He gives us instruction for dailiness that protects me in my daily walk with him, and promotes and builds my delight. What was the one word that would describe how Paul stayed more in love with God today than he did yesterday? What was it that protected him from the natural apathy and the natural lukewarmness that invades our heart as we live and breathe? Here's the one word. Ready? Wonder. Wonder. Write it down. It's the word that you need to keep. As you open up God's word, you need to keep this word at the top of your mind and heart. Wonder. He, not, he never got over the wonder of what God had done for him. He never got over it. He never got over it. Have you? Have I? I'll tell you, the biggest the biggest indicator that I've gotten over the wonder of what God has done for me is this. Ready? I complain. I complain. Something as simple as that is the biggest indicator that I have gotten over the wonder of what God... You know we live and move and breathe and have our being only because God has allowed it. My next breath comes from God. Let him take that away and we'll see how much I complain five minutes later. You see... Um, all of us have had that experience. You go through something. You know, I look at dear Tim and Diane and what they have gone through. You know the wonder of today, Diane will never get over it because she's in Sunday school. She's not down at that hospital waiting, holding Tim's hand, waiting for the next heartbeat, the next breath. When you go through 
difficulty, it, it's like that spiritual jolt. Oh, dear Lord. That's why it's so beautiful as we pray for Clint's leg. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. It's the instruction that comes to keep the wonder alive. And God gives us this beautiful little instruction. I've got three verses I need you all to, to look up. I didn't write them up. I didn't get them up. I was going to have fun talking with you guys, and I didn't get them written up. So I want you to write these down. It's the instruction to keep the N-O out of November and to get the K-N-O-W into November. It's, first of all, Ephesians 5.20. Somebody look that up. Colossians 3.17. Somebody look that up. Hebrews 13.15. Somebody look that up. Now I'm going to give you 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. A gift so, so unbelievable that we can't even put a word to it. The closest word I can give you is wonder. Stay in wonder with the gift that God has given us. Um, Paul was addicted to the gospel. He never got over the wonder. Sadly, in this time frame of November, you and I are no longer gripped by what we've been given. Instead, we gripe about all we have to do with all the stuff that's coming up. Let that be my reminder. Oh, dear Lord, forgive me. I'm losing the wonder of what I have by looking at all that I'm saying no to. Lesser things, rise and control and consume my day, my desires, and it crowds out the capacity in my heart to wonder and live in response to what we have been given. Let me read you a true story. <clears throat> a Dutch pastor and his family had been hiding in the Jewish, had been hiding Jewish people in their home during World War II. One night they heard the sound of heavy boots and the loud, impatient knocking at the door, and they were arrested and loaded into a cattle car. All night long, the pastor and his family rode in anguish, knowing they were being taken to one of Hitler's concentration camps, only to be separated from each other and, and then killed. Finally, the train stopped. The doors of the cattle car were opened. They, marched, they were marched out, out, lined up beside the railroad tracks, but something very strange had happened. They discovered they were not at a death camp at all. They were not even in Germany. During the night, a courageous employee risked his life and purposely tripped a switch which sent the train of prisoners to Switzerland to their freedom, and instead of being marched to their death, they were welcomed to a new life. Wow. Thank you, Lord. In the midst of that joy and relief, the Dutch pastor said, What do you do with such a gift? Girls, what do we do with such a gift? By the grace of God and by his mercy, God switched the switch and changed my destination from hell to heaven. If that were the only thing I had, my word, I should be doing cartwheels every day this side of heaven, saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And then he adopts us, and he forgives us, and he cleanses our heart with our asking, and he redeems us every day. He, takes, he redeems my moments in my day. And then he gives me a protection to keep the wonder in November. And you know what that protection is? He says, child, do this. He gives me one thing to do, not for him, 
is for me. So I don't get apathetic, so I don't get lukewarm, so I stay in love with my God and also in love with my husband because this very same do is applicable to all the relationships. And this is what Jesus says. He says, in everything, do this. <coughs> what? Tell me. How easy, how simple, how almost like insignificant, and yet do we in everything give thanks? No, we don't do because... We would rather just say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and oh, I have not used this, Karen, if this will help. It's cold. Oh, okay. Yep, Thank yep. Uh-huh. Totally get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yep. Oh, man, I'm going to start coughing. <laughs> what we do, okay, let, let, me, let, me, let me explain it this way. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. Um, who said I don't know? Um, I just don't know. No, we don't want to know. Bonnie Clark makes the best caramel apple pie that I have ever tasted. Right now, just thinking about it, my mouth is watering. I am a foodie. I'm, I love food. It is, it is amazing. I have never tasted another pie like her caramel apple pie. There's another word that I'm forgetting, but that she puts into it. And so she made it years ago for my birthday, and, um, and I said, Bonnie, I love this pie. I love this pie. And she says, oh, I'll give you the recipe. And inside, inner apathetic, lazy Kathy whispers, no, no, no. No, she, she even says, hey, I'll come over. We'll make it together. No. I would rather just eat your pie. <laughs> okay? Now, the fact of the matter is, my skills as a pie maker will never develop until I don't just know the recipe, know how to make it, but until I what? Our faith is never going to become what it needs to be, what it should be, until I take what I know, what God would say, Kathy, Kathy, you, you know this, you know this. They will never develop. Do you know that, that portion of scripture? Now, add to your faith, and it gives a whole list of things. Add these things. But we say, that, no, no, it's easier just to be carnal, Kathy. When it says add patience to your faith, no, you know, it's much easier to shout and get mad and call names and blame. And God says, you're never going to grow. You're never going to taste and see the sweetness that could be yours every day, regardless of people, regardless of circumstances, unless you know this. Know that there's ingredients that I have made available that all you have to do is add them to your conversation. Add them in concern to what is laying heavy on your heart. Call unto me. I'm going to answer you. I'm going to show you great and mighty things that you don't know. I'm going to tell you so that you know, but then your responsibility is what? Do. Do. Now, these verses that I gave you in everything give thanks. Um, Ephesians 5.20, who has that? Would you read that, honey? Okay, you, you need to memorize that this week. 
You need to memorize that. At least as you, as you pray for your parents, as I pray for your parents, Lord, thank you that they're here. If you don't balance out the burdens with thanksgiving, you are going to be overwhelmed and down and out for the count. This life is broken. A long time ago, I learned to give thanks for the things that really hurt me by singing this song. Heaven is better than this. Amen. Praise God for joy and bliss. And usually it was an anger thing. I was mad at, you know, the blame. Somebody did this. Somebody did that. Heaven's better than this. The truth of that. You say, well, it's just, I don't feel like it. Of course we don't. The natural tendency is always going to be what has the least resistance. And that's why we drop down into this lukewarmness. This is why every day we don't grab our husband, throw our arms around him and say, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. I thank God for you. It needs to be an everyday experience. You need to keep Here's growing. <laughs> Who's listening? <laughs> you need to grow that love. You need to grow that love. You need to grow that on purpose because if I don't, I'm going to become lukewarm. I'm going to become apathetic. And now the scary part of it is, do you know a lack of thanksgiving leads to every perversion this side of heaven? Romans 1, when they knew God, now get this, they knew him, K-N-E-W, when they knew God, but glorified him not. What did they do? They, they became lukewarm, they come, became apathetic, it's Romans 1. When they knew God but glorified him not, neither were, guess what? Thankful. thankful. Now next week, Lord willing, if we're all here, we're going to go into what thankfulness does and doesn't do, but how it began. Neither were thankful but became reprobates, okay? The, the final consequence of, of, of not being thankful is that I destroy myself in the most ugliest ways imaginable. Every sin under the sun begins with an ungrateful heart. God gives me this beautiful, practical discipline of giving thanks in all things to protect me and to remind me of all the great marvelous, marvelous things that he's done and will do. It is my protection, and it promotes what God will do. God, I don't know the answer to this. God, it's so complicated. I don't know what to do. Find in Scripture, God will tell you what to do. It's probably going to be really hard. It's probably not going to be what everybody thinks. It's probably going to go, it will go against society. I promise you it will go against Hollywood. And God says, you know, now do it. Now do it. And I will bless you and I will work in that situation. But, you know, you, you look back at Daniel. Daniel, do you think that was hard to stand alone? Oh, yes, it was. You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think that was hard to stand alone of all those good Jewish kids that had the same teaching and the same Christian school, quote, unquote, and the same parents that went to the same temple? And then they were exiled, and we found out it was all external. There were three young men who had an internal experience about God, Jehovah. Esther, if I perish, I perish. She had to make that choice. 
I do, I do love you, Lord, and this is going to be hard. People aren't going to understand, but I'm going to live for you from the inside out. And I'm going to begin by giving thanks. And I'm going to begin by telling you, I don't know how this is going to end, but you do. And I'm going to take your hand, and we're going to walk through this together. And I've got a discipline for you to do. I've got a piece of homework. I didn't get your homework. Trina, in the um, uh, Brother Justin's copy machine is their homework, okay? You're going to get this paper. This is your homework. Lord willing, if we meet together next week, I want you to go through these things down. It's alphabet praise with the word thanksgiving. What I want you to write on your homework paper on each one of these as, as you, you, you can write something you're thankful for, but I want you to write down something you're not thankful for. Okay, the T on there, I, I knew it right away for myself, tendonitis. Okay, tendonitis. I'm not thankful for tendonitis. It has been weeks of watching Clint suffer. It hurts. Weeks of exercise, weeks of encouragement, weeks of prayer. And I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord that he is working in Clint's pain. I thank the Lord that I can trust in him with all my heart. I thank the Lord that he has a pain. Paulette can write down there on this uh, thyroid, under her T, thyroid. She's not thankful for thyroid cancer, but she's thankful that God is going to work in it and through it. Okay? This is your homework for this coming week. Now, as you write those things down, <clears throat> pray over them. Pray over them. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to have the Holy Spirit start to work his peace in you. It's going to be more satisfying. Okay, is there something about dentistry on here, Linnell? <laughs> Teeth. Teeth, right at the top. <laughs> Teeth, all right? You are going to be secured in the truth of the word of God that God has a plan and God is working in this thing as you give thanks for it. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to It's going to be more satisfying than the turkey and the mashed potatoes. It's going to be sweeter to your heart than Bonnie's caramel apple pie or sugar cookies, okay? That's the Holy Spirit's work. I need that kind of inner filling. I know what it is to be a foodie. I need that kind of filling, but nothing like I need the filling from the Holy Spirit. And it all begins with this very simple discipline that Jesus writes for our instruction Kathy, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Let's quickly end with these other two verses. I want to say them together as a class. Did anybody look up Colossians 3.17? And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Wow, whatsoever you do. Lord, make that real in my life. Hebrews 13.15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Look at what we can do with as easy as our lips saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Look for ways to thank God. And then the last one was Ephesians 5.20. Or did you read that, honey? Okay. I don't remember it. But Oh, 2 Corinthians 9 was, thanks be unto God for the unspeakable gift. A gift so enormous, so unbelievable. What do we do with this gift? This is what we do. Ready? Give thanks. Give thanks. Father, thank you. For saving us from ourselves, from our natural digression and apathetic descent. Oh, God, may we just never get over the wonder of what you've done. 
May we revel in it today. May we express it. May we talk to others about it. Father, may your spirit excite us as we give thanks. May we be filled with a joy and love and peace that only comes from you. Thank you, Father, for that unspeakable gift and so much more. In thy precious name, amen.